So again, working through Proverbs, and we are in Proverbs 4 this morning. So as you turn there, uh, what do you use to chart the right path? So uh, whether you're hiking or biking or driving, what do you rely on to make sure your course is correct? So, um, you know, we could list off a bunch of different navigational tools that have been used over the centuries, right? Um, you think of kind of the sailors of old with their sextant. Maybe they still use them. I don't know. I'm not a mariner. Uh, a compass, right, that we still use when we're hiking, perhaps. Um, a radar. Maybe that's what more modern sailors would use. Um, we're not sailors. We do road trips usually, right, in our lives. But even in, in road tripping, uh, we've evolved quite a bit, I think, over the past just decade or two. So all the way from maybe Rand McNally paper maps in our glove box uh, to, to garments suctioned to our windshield that come off at the most inopportune times. Um, now all the way down to Google Maps and Waze on your phones um, telling you where objects are in the road or where the traffic is busiest or where you can find the nearest Dunkin' Donuts. Um, just crazy evolving in our way of navigating our trips in our cars. Um, but what, what about life? So when you think about kind of charting your life's course, where you're headed, what, what tools, what guides do you use to ensure you're headed in the right path? So uh, the sermon this morning is entitled, The Right Path. And as we gathered, uh, we're going to gather together, we were going to sing songs like, Be Thou My Vision, and Yet not I, but through Christ in me, thinking about the Christian walk and thinking about what it is to follow the right path. Uh, but this morning, uh, we are in Proverbs 4, and we're going to just see this straight from God's Word together. So remember, Proverbs is a book of wisdom literature that seeks to convince us and persuade us to take the path of wisdom, uh, the path called righteousness and to abandon what is called the path of foolishness or wickedness. And uh, we keep repeating this, but it bears repeating. Uh, think about the structure of Proverbs, right? So the first nine chapters of Proverbs are discourses, lectures, given from a father to a son to try to persuade him to go in the path of righteousness. And then chapters, much of chapters 10 through 31, are kind of little case studies, little nuggets of truth. Um, that kind of drop right down into the middle of our everyday lives, saying, you know, if you're bickering with your children or if you are upset about your job, this is what the way of righteousness looks like. Uh, and so as we go through chronologically the first nine chapters, then um, starting after Christmas mostly, we're going to be kind of dipping into the last 21 chapters and just finding little themes throughout and seeing what the way of wisdom would be from Proverbs. But we're right in the middle of these lectures now. Uh, as we get to Proverbs 4. Uh, and we see this father giving his words, his teachings, to his son, which ultimately, as we found, communicate God's words, God's teachings, if his son is to choose and chart the right path. So as we arrive at Proverbs 4 this morning, if you just look at your chapter real quick in your Bible, you'll see that this appears to be three lectures in Proverbs 4. So right in verse 1, you see hero sons. Verse 10, hear my son, and then verse 20, my son. Uh, and so it seems like there are three separate lectures, three separate talks 
from his from this father to his son. And so we pick up and we're going to read all three lectures and then look at them together. So Proverbs 4, you can follow along as I read. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. All right, so that's Proverbs 4. And with our time together this morning, I'd like us to see two basic things the father is communicating to his son in this passage. Uh, and then we'll kind of have little sub points I sneak in there. So first, let's see how the, how the son is to identify the right path. So identify the right path. This is what the son is to do. That's the first point. And then second, let's see how the son is to then stay on the right path. Stay on the right path. And, and as we consider these teachings here in the opening chapters of Proverbs, let's keep in mind our goal as we study. We are studying Proverbs so we can be wise. And biblical wisdom, as we defined it, is the right view of God and his world and living life in light of it. The right view of God and his world, and living life in light of it. And that's our prayer as we come to Proverbs. So, first, the father is instructing the son to 
identify the right path. And there's three things, told you I sneak in some sub points. There's three things about identifying the right path that I'd like to bring out from this chapter this morning. So first, this son is to hear the wise instruction of the father. So he's to hear the wise instruction of the father. Um, and that's going to make him wise. So all throughout Proverbs, and especially this chapter, I wanted to bring out how wisdom is first found through hearing. So for those of you who have kids or have been kids, which according to my calculation is all of you, uh, you'll know very well what selective hearing is. Selective hearing is hearing what you like to hear and then faking some sort of ignorance or narcolepsy or deafness or anything you can do to not hear what you don't want to hear, right? And don't want to follow. It's selective hearing. And the father here is urging his son that if he's going to have any sort of selective hearing, he must hear his father's counsel. He must hear God's wisdom. He's not to tune it out. He's to hear and he's to follow his teaching. Remember, this father's teaching in Proverbs is very much connected to the, the wisdom of God himself. So this isn't merely Solomon or some sage in the ancient Near East giving us some human advice like Confucius or more recently Gandhi, right? This is a father teaching his son the very wisdom of God. And as we hear this wisdom, uh, and I think we can as Christians then apply this to God's word overall, we hear God, right? So when we hear the wisdom of Proverbs, when we hear the wisdom of God's word in general, the lesson here in Proverbs 4 is to hear it and follow it. Look at verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. So I hope the, the application is clear to me and to us as a church. Christian, brother or sister, have you grown dull of hearing God's word? Has it become so familiar you've begun to forget it? Hearing the truth is essential to identifying the right path. So what are you filling your ears with? What are you listening to? Think about the diet of your ears. So consider the music, uh, the audiobooks, the news reports, the podcasts that most consume your moments commuting or doing lawn work or cleaning the dishes. Are they good words? Wise counsel? I'm not saying you need to only listen to Christian music and Christian books. In fact, I would argue against just listening to Christian music and Christian books, though, of course, you, you should. See, God's truth is all over the place. All truth is God's truth. But I am asking, are you looking for it in what you're listening to? Are you seeking it out? Or are you being kind of lulled into a spiritual slumber by the words of the world? What's the diet of your ears? Part of finding the right path is hearing words of instruction from the Lord and obeying them. And I love how the father says there, I give you good precepts. In other words, I give you commands that are good for you, son. 
That's what the Lord tells us as his people, isn't it? I give you words that are good for you. God's commands are good for us. And I know I can struggle to believe that that's true. Maybe you do too. And so I love how Jackie Hill Perry, a a Christian author and speaker, how she said this, if God is as good as he says he is, then every single command is good for you, even if it doesn't feel good to you. Isn't that good? That's what Jackie Hill Perry says. If God is as good as he says he is, then every single command is good for you, even if it doesn't feel good to you. Christian, hear the words of wisdom from your God. They are for your good. They will bring you life. Hear and obey. The next sub-point under identifying the right path that we see in this chapter. How do we identify the right path? The next one is get it. (laughs) Get wisdom. We must acquire it as we hear its instruction. Look at verses 3 through 9. So here, this father is reminiscing back to his own father and the wisdom that he acquired from him. Uh, This is a multi-generational effort, passing on the wisdom of God. So this father's father, so the son's grandfather, had told him, look at verse 4, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 7, look at verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, you get, get insight. The, The father is urging his son, just like his father had before, go get it. Now, I don't know about you, but verse 7 is a head scratcher, right? I mean, it just sounds like, It just sounds redundant, doesn't it? The first step to getting wisdom is, guess what? Getting wisdom. So what's going on here? What's the grandfather getting to? Uh, Derek Kidner is a scholar, a biblical scholar, and he's written a, a, a concise commentary on Proverbs that I recommend to you if you want to be studying Proverbs along with us. And here's how he puts it simply. What it takes is not brains or opportunity, but decision. Do you want it? Come and get it. See, you don't, I think the point is this, you don't need to be a certain level of Christian, a certain brand of person to be wise. This is what you do need to do. You need to fear the Lord, turn away from evil, and submit to God's design for you in this world. That's how you get wisdom. Lydia Brownback has written a book on Proverbs for women that I've been consulting as well um, because, of course, it's application to men and women. And she says this, committing ourselves to the pursuit of wisdom is itself a step of wisdom. See, wisdom always includes action. That's what wisdom is. It's practical. It's for life. As we said in our first sermon, it's like godliness in work clothes right? I think it's also something Derek Kidner said. And so we hear and obey wisdom's instruction. We grab it and it informs all that we do. So we hear, we get, third subpoint under identifying the right path I'd like to see is that we love it. Do you see that in verse six? 
The grandfather speaks of wisdom as a woman and says, do not forsake her and she'll keep you. Love her and she'll guard you. Look at verse eight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. This is intimate language. It's urging the son to embrace woman wisdom and all her blessings, to cherish her like a man would a, a, his wife. In doing so, this son will find life. As he keeps a hold on woman wisdom, she will keep her hold on him. And he will stay on the right path. Christian, this is a, a good opportunity, I think, to remind ourselves to love God and his wisdom. We can get really good about knowing God, following God even, and really get bad at loving him. You, you know, our affections are so easily shaped and, and obviously fickle. We love one thing one moment and the next moment we turn against it. But even though our love will have ups and downs, I think we should see an upward trajectory of love and affection for God and his wisdom as we mature and grow in following his path. Love for God is not just a feeling we either have or don't have. It's something we grow and nurture. So Christian, do you love God? Do you have more affections for Jesus now than you did in 2017? It's called a three-year trajectory. Do you see growth in your love for God? Do you see maturity in your affections as you spend more time walking his path? Following God is not just for the mind. It's for the heart. And that's part of the reason the Westminster Shorter Catechism famously begins by asking, what is the chief end of man? What are we here for? And answering, man's chief end is to glorify God and to what? Enjoy him forever. Christian, ask the Lord that he would show you more of his beauty. Ask him to attract you to himself. See him as worthy of all your love. So, here get love. Here get love. Uh, there's more in this chapter, but those are the three things I think stick out about identifying the right path, the path of wisdom. So let's move on then and think about staying on the right path. All right? And as we do, let, let's think for a minute about what the Father shares in verses 3 through 9. You see that? So we just looked at that. But let's think about what's going on here. He's thinking about something that he heard from his father. And now he's committed to communicating that to his son, to the next generation. And I think that's instructive for us as a church, particularly in how we think about the gospel of Jesus, who is himself the very wisdom of God. See, as a church, as Loudoun Valley Baptist Church, our chief mission is to make disciples of Jesus. Now, that's the great commission that Jesus left us before ascending to heaven in Matthew 28. And part of that disciple making happens right here in our church family as we communicate the gospel to one another over and over again. And then to the next generation, to our children, to new believers who are young in their faith. And this is what we do every Sunday. 
as we gather. This is what we do throughout the week as we show hospitality to one another and check up on one another and disciple one another. And this honestly has been a failure of many churches. Sort of this failure of communicating the faith to the next generation. And so, church family, that's one of the reasons that every Sunday, in some way, shape, or form, we rehearse the truths of the gospel. We don't merely talk about Jesus as Lord, or about community, or about suffering as a Christian, or kind of these hot-button topics. We don't just stick to the implications of the gospel, though those are incredibly important. At some way, in some way, at some point during our times together, we try to rehearse the very fundamental facts of the good news of Jesus Christ. That we are sinners deserving of God's holy judgment. And Jesus came as the perfect substitute to undergo that judgment in our place on the cross. So that if we repent of our sins and trust in him, we will be saved. Now that message may sound like old news to you. But the moment we begin thinking of it as old news and something we need to get past into deeper things, that's the moment we begin to assume everyone knows it. And that's the moment we begin to lose it. Uh, Mac Stiles is a missionary in the Middle East. He's written numerous books on mission and evangelism. And this is something that he's written. He says, losing the gospel doesn't happen all at once. It's much more like a four-generation process. The gospel is first accepted. The gospel is then assumed. The gospel is then confused. And then the gospel is lost. You see that? It's accepted, which is wonderful. That's our goal. But then we, we assume it. And we stop talking about it all the time. And then the next generation kind of confuses it because it was assumed. It was never clarified. And then by the fourth generation, we don't care about it anymore. Church, we have a task to communicate the clear truths of the gospel to the next generation, the wisdom of God to those who are young in faith. This is one of the ways we stay on the right path, the path of God's wisdom. But there are two other things I want us to see from this chapter this morning about how to stay on the right path. First, to stay on the right path, this son, says the father, must avoid the way of the wicked. He must avoid the way of the wicked. So we see that in verse 14 and following. Look there. Proverbs 4, 14. The father is telling his son, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they, that is the, the wicked, cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So this may sound overly simple, but to stay on the right path means avoiding the wrong one. And actually, you know what? That's not as simple as it seems. There's a reason this father desperately repeats and desperately wants to persuade his son to avoid the wrong path. Why? Because the wrong path looks really nice. 
It's attractive. It looks fun, adventurous, satisfying, pleasurable, carefree. But as Proverbs repeatedly says, the end of that path is death. To follow wisdom is to follow or is to find life. And to follow wickedness is to find death. And so, Christian, we must avoid the way of the wicked if we're to stay on the path, on the right path. Verse 15 is, is the clearest that Proverbs can get, right? It's like rapid fire warnings, one after another. Avoid it. Don't go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. <laughs> See, half the battle of resisting the wicked way is the temptation to think about going on the wicked way at all. It's like a, a link to a virus in a scam email. The father here is saying, don't even open the email. Delete it. Pass on. Don't flirt with the way to death. So Christian, your sin, if you belong to Christ, has been wiped away by his blood. Your sin has been divested of its penalty because Jesus has suffered your penalty in your place. Your sin has been depleted of its power because the Holy Spirit lives within you. It no longer has the same power over you. Sin does. So even though your sin has been divested of its penalty and depleted of its power, it still hasn't lost its presence in you, right? So as John Owen famously put it, be killing sin or it will be killing you. So Christian, consider, where are you prone to temptation towards the wicked way? Do others know about that? Are you opening your heart up to others so they can speak into your life? Part of staying on the right path is avoiding the wrong path. And then the other thing I think we should see here about staying on the right path in Proverbs 4 is that we must guard our hearts. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, the father says, keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. So back in 2018, perhaps you saw this, a, a video went viral online of a Florida man. It's always a Florida man. A Florida man hang gliding during his vacation in Switzerland. Uh, and so as he and his pilot prepared to launch, the pilot forgot to attach the man's harness. And there was like GoPro or something attached. And so you see the whole flight, the whole terrifying flight, as this man, right when they take off, realizes that he's not buckled in at all. And he's, he's holding on to the, the hang glider and to his pilot for dear life. Uh, the entire flight he's doing this. And he survived. And, and later he said, I didn't have much grip left in me at all. My hand was opening. I was slipping. I was just trying to stay calm, trying to hold on for dear life. If you don't have a weak stomach like I do, you can go watch that later on. And a fear of heights. I got the double whammy. But I still watched it. Go watch it later on. But my point is this. I, I wonder if we need more of that all costs, at all costs mentality when we're holding on to God's wisdom. Because as Proverbs tells us, it actually is a matter of life or death. To stay on the right path, we need to hold on and not let go because wisdom from God is the only way to life. 
And then there in verses 20 to 27, we see the father kind of put on his doctor hat and carry out a physical exam. Do you see all the different body parts mentioned in those verses? So listen as I read. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Derek Kidner calls this a medical inspection. Another scholar calls it the anatomy of discipleship. And at the core of it all is the heart. The heart is one's innermost being in scripture. It stands for kind of the core of who you are. And it gives life to all other parts of the body. So the father is saying that in order to stay on the right path, the son must keep his heart. In some ways, this is just the other side of the coin from what we just talked about, about avoiding the, right, the wrong way, right? Because in order to keep your heart from evil, you need to avoid the wrong, the wicked way. But I think this is digging a little bit deeper into the son's very being. The, the most famous verse in this whole chapter is there in verse 23. And we see there that the son is to keep his heart with all vigilance. The idea there is of standing guard. I think of a secret service agent standing beside POTUS, right? His eyes peeled on the crowd surging in, keeping watch on anything threatening, anything out of the ordinary at all. See, to stay on the right path is to be watchful over one's heart. For the heart is where wisdom is going to dwell. You see that in verse 21? The heart is where we keep God's truth. And so we need to guard our heart because our heart is going to direct all of our actions and all of our lives. If you grew up in the church, perhaps you heard this, this verse only used for when you were dating. It's so much more than that. This is about all of the Christian life. Are you keeping God's truth in your heart? Allowing it to spring up and influence then everything you do? Christian, I think this should cause us to consider the spiritual discipline called watchfulness. As Christians, we are to keep our hearts, verse 23. We're to ponder our path, verse 26. We talk about this in our statement of faith and our church covenant, I think. Being watchful over one another. Our statement of faith said one of the means of sanctification, of growing in holiness, is to be watchful. Wisdom is often found in the quiet moments of reflection and prayer. It's hard to find wisdom when life is always busy, always loud, always packed to the brim. We need to spend time being watchful over our own hearts. Now, perhaps you can't imagine a time when life isn't loud or busy or chaotic. Perhaps then it's time to reach out to another member in the church, 
or to your significant other and ask if they would be able to watch the pets or watch the kids or, or help in some way so you can get time alone with the Lord. The pastor, Brian Hedges, has written a whole book on watchfulness. He calls it our most neglected spiritual discipline. And I love this. He doesn't only picture watchfulness as negative, sort of guarding against evil and temptation, watching out for it, which is kind of what Proverbs is getting to the most here. And it's a good thing to think about. But Brian Hedges also helps us pivot also to seeing watchfulness as positive. This is what he says. We mustn't only mortify sin, that means kill sin, and avoid temptation. We must also set our gaze on Jesus. Church, staying on the right path, embracing God's wisdom and truth means walking with Jesus. means giving him our heart. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And so the way of of wisdom is the way of Christ. So are you spending time watching out for your own soul, fixing your eyes on the Lord Jesus? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're here on on our call and you're not a Christian, don't get the wrong idea here. So when we study Proverbs and we talk about the way of wickedness and the way of righteousness, when we're talking about that, we don't think we're better than you. As, As we talk about these two paths, we all understand that left to ourselves, we would pick the path of foolishness and wickedness every single time. And that's why we rejoice That God has not left us in our sin and rebellion, but has sent his son Jesus to die as our substitute, taking our sin on himself. So in him, we can be saved. In him, we can be wise. Won't you turn to him today and be saved? And church family, Proverbs, once again, this is what it's going to do every single time. It points us to Jesus. In Jesus, we have God's very wisdom incarnate. In Jesus, we can actually grow in being wise, pursuing the right path, identifying it, and staying the course. So ponder your ways. Lift your eyes to the one who has walked before you, died for you, been raised for you. Make him your vision. If we would have gathered this morning, we would have sang, Be Thou My Vision. Maybe you can sing that with your family later today. Trust with all your heart that Jesus is all you have and he's all you need. In him you will find wisdom. Let's pray together. Lord, if it weren't for you, where would we be? Thank you, Jesus, for coming to us when we were unable and unwilling to come to you, for laying down your life for sinners. And now with the new life we have in you, we pray, Lord, that you would help us not grow lazy, weary, or distracted as we seek to identify the right path and stay the course. Holy Spirit, thank you for your role in the Holy Trinity, indwelling us, giving us wisdom. Please keep at it in our hearts. Grant us spiritual energy and fervor to not forget, but to hear your truth and cling to our Savior. 
Lord, we pray especially for those in our church family who are starting to be lulled asleep by the words of worldly wisdom. Wake them up and keep them until you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, church family, for tuning in. Uh, our closing hymn, uh, if we would have been meeting, would have been All I Have is Christ. So look that up and on YouTube and sing that with your family right now if you'd like. Um, if thoughts come up about Proverbs 4 as you go through the day or as you think about it right now, put those in the comment box so we can all um, benefit by them. Uh, remember next week, and you'll be getting emails about this, remember next week we will be meeting indoors for the first time since March. Um, so St. Peter's Episcopal Church here in Percival has been so kind uh, to open their doors to allow our church to meet there Sundays at 3 p.m. So we'll begin that next week. Uh, and so in the meantime, be reading Proverbs 5 through 7 this week, uh, which is our sermon text for next week, so we can all be thinking and, and immersing ourselves in the truth of God's wisdom uh, as we come together next week. I love you all. Uh, prayer meeting tonight, 7 p.m. on Zoom. Um, Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, seek the Lord and his wisdom. We'll talk soon.